0: This podcast was recorded on March 24th, 2020. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and uninfected with the coronavirus. Thank goodness. Although, uh, I guess we can't be sure about that because we don't have enough tests. That's whack.
1: It it is extraordinarily whack. (laughs) Extraordinarily whack. So Um,
0: extraordinary. You might be infected with... Inability to talk right now.
1: Right? Is that a symptom of COVID nineteen?
0: <laughs> uh it's not, but it is a <laughs> respiratory issue. So I don't know. Um. All right. Just making jokes about serious uh, issues right out the gate. You know how that's. A, you know it's going to be like that when I'm with my guest here, who I'm six feet apart from, maintaining. You know, Executive Order twenty twelve. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, hi. I am Marvelo or Amber, but for purposes of the internet, I am Marvelo. Um. And yes, we're here today in my place of living currently. Uh, and it's a pretty nice quarantine zone, I'd say, you know, or trying to keep by all the quarantine rules to bring you this podcast. Absolutely. And um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say I've been quarantining for about two months prior to this. So I feel extraordinarily safe. Nice. Yes.
0: Yeah. I know that there's like a 14-day sort of gestation period where you uh, it could, the virus could live in you or not. Um, so there's been a lot of issue with people not taking it seriously enough. And that's a bummer because it's it looks like it's going to kill millions of people. But I didn't ask you on the show to talk about COVID-19. I Let's- asked you on the show because you have been a friend You've been somebody who has a YouTube channel that's been, uh, that's got a heck of a following. Marvolo, M A R V O L O.
1: It's Voldemort's middle name.
0: Yes, it is. Tom Marvolo Riddle. Yep. I love it.
1: That's exactly where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, Primarily, my videos deal with uh, body modifications and talking about things like mental and physical illness and um, a lot of cannabis related content, which I use. both recreationally and medicinally to treat my Crohn's disease primarily.
0: Awesome. Yes. Well out the gate, I like to ask people, um, but maybe a lot of your responses could fall into this category. What's a controversial opinion you have about anything?
1: feel like most things i uh, about me are pretty controversial <laughs> so i'll start with something really easy i think potatoes are the worst food on the planet i think they taste like mold and dirt and i don't understand why people eat them in every form in just every across form, the board yes absolutely oh, not in wow. bread no mashed potatoes no baked potatoes no french fries you no won't potato do chips
0: you freaking french fry if i, I had will. one for you on a
1: if you pay totally me,
0: disinfected plate
1: Uh, I'll probably throw it up, but I'll do it if I was paid.
0: I guess that's fair. Yeah.
1: But it means if you go out to eat with me, you get extra French fries.
0: To me, it just seems (laughs) like a potato is is representative of pure neutrality. (laughs) A potato can be modified with cheesiness or ranch or ketchup or such a whole host of different things that can make it delicious in different ways. You are... A menace to society with this opinion. And this is the most angry I've ever gotten about an opinion <laughs> when I asked oh. this question. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I
1: picked a good one. Um, I'd rather just eat the ranch by itself, honestly. Um, <laughs> like, just Who give are me a bo- <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot wrong with me. It would yes. take more than one podcast episode to really unbox that. But yeah. the potatoes are, are a good starting point. I feel like that represents me as a person and All how right. controversial I am. Yeah, fuck potatoes, yo. <laughs> hey, we're
0: right next to Idaho. Get away from me. Be careful, you know. Yeah. They're going to hear this.
1: I, I'm ashamed of my bloodline, you know. Have you heard any <laughs> of this
0: uh, greater Idaho stuff? So there are a lot of people in rural areas in Oregon who uh, they want to redefine the the border of Oregon so that most of Oregon geographically becomes Idaho.
1: Oh, like eastern Oregon and eastern central? Eastern and
0: southern, and yeah, yeah, so... Eugene would be like the very bottom tip of Oregon at this point, and Oregon would lose its beautiful rectangular shape that I love. I don't know if everybody else likes it. It works good for like uh, podcast album art and <laughs> other shit. <laughs> A like lot that. of
1: people have tattoos of it, and the tattoos would now be yeah. wrong. Um, and. And we wouldn't be the tenth largest state anymore, right. which is a random fact I remember for no reason.
0: I am glad that you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would probably be one of the smaller states um, at that yeah. point. And that I mean, wow, yeah, that would not be that would not be fun. Um, I don't know why they'd want to do that. I guess. I mean,
0: I think then our politics would get incredibly extreme, and you know, maybe some people would like that. Um, because they're, I mean, the state government just doesn't function at this point, hardly. I mean, um, you had all of the Republicans walking out because they didn't believe in this cap and trade legislation. Um, and so that prevented what's called a quorum, where uh, it, it it makes it impossible to pass any kind of bill, uh, even though the Democrats have a super majority uh, in, I think, both chambers, the House and the Senate in Oregon. Um, but So it's been an interesting conversation because honestly, a lot of the Democrats, in my opinion, they kind of made this very big showy performance out of it where they're like, oh, the Republicans are leaving their jobs and, you know, this is a costly walkout. And then the Republican perspective, which you only get if you're like, make an active attempt to, you know, look at both sides or if you are a conservative, and I'm not really a conservative, um, is that this is the this is the way they can represent their constituents. Like they're the people that elect these people from mostly rural areas in Oregon feel like if that's the only way that you can use your voice and represent us and stand up against what would be, I think one of the very largest tax increases ever in Oregon, then they appreciate it. But mm. anyway, the government, Yeah. The government totally sucks. You motherfucker. That's a tenacious D song.
1: See, so, yeah, and I, this is why I'm, 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 I'm more on the side of anarchy sometimes, not total anarchy, yeah. but a lot of anarchy. And so, um, we probably have conflicting views on a lot of that front, but I don't understand a lot of government mm. and the stuff I do understand. I tend to dislike, mm. um, sometimes I wish I had not dropped out of the government course in high school that I was supposed to take.
0: Mm. <laughs> Isn't that like a funny idea, though? I, I taught government, but it's like, it's a funny idea that like, you know, social studies, oh, think critically, you mm-hmm. know, open your mind, be able to argue different points. But then who's funding public schools and teaching you about government? It's the government.
1: <laughs> right. They're, so they're teaching you what it? to know
0: and what to think and learn about themselves. Exactly. So.
1: It's very convoluted. I mean,
0: <laughs> you know, you, you walked out, can't change the past, but you, I'm sure you had your reasons.
1: Uh yeah, instead I replaced that credit with a psychology credit. So, not necessarily regret there. Um I I feel that night school was a better path for me in general. Mm. I I'm kind of a non-traditional person mm. and um psychology appeals to me far, far more than government. There you go. Yeah. 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 And and the teacher uh was a better teacher too. And mm-hmm. you cannot underestimate the quality of a teacher you have. Yes. Like that makes a world of difference. <laughs> oh,
0: it's immensely different for sure. Um, that's part of why I am not in teaching currently and I might go back, uh, et cetera. But, um, I was in a place uh, where I was having a hard time with my own mental health. I was living in New York. It was crazy. Um, I was becoming hypomanic and I mean, you have to have a teacher who is good at teaching, but you also have one who's like able and willing and ready in that moment. And I didn't feel like I was giving everything I could to my students. So that's part of it. Um, yeah. Education system in Oregon is shockingly bad. Uh, yeah. until very recently they've had an uptick in graduation rate we were we were 48th in the country in four year, four year graduation rate yeah was you couldn't it? find three states oh yeah three states you couldn't find three that uh graduate <laughs> students less often than us
1: i knew it was bad you know growing up here and and being around here but mm-hmm. i i never knew it was that bad actually i've never looked at the statistics on state by state i knew the percentage was not good yeah. Um. The percentage from the high school we both went to, in fact, yeah. is not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we
0: went to North. I was twenty twelve. You were twenty eleven. Right. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Close. Um. Yeah. You. So you were with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um. And the the interesting thing about North is we got all this messaging that we were like the ghetto school, you know, because we. we I did. mean had a diverse population and we were not the lowest socioeconomic status of all the four J schools. We were right there with Willamette, but they were in a different uh, school district. Exactly. Um, so, but the reality is more that the four J district was, I mean, on the up on the higher end of a not so good Oregon system. So it's like, we still had a lot more resources and opportunity than a lot of other schools. Yeah, um, But then you go to like Roseburg and Roseburg actually has a really good, really good high school because it's, it might be the only one in the town, you know, so there's, there's some benefit to that as well.
1: It looks like a prison from the you outside. Think so? I think it looks exactly like a prison.
0: Ah. Yes,
1: absolutely. Every time I go by it, I, I've never been in, they have like towers off the side that you can just imagine a guard positioned there. Mm. I would have been terrified to go there. It might be a great school, but mm. Goodness, um, I feel like most schools in Oregon either look like a prison or an asylum. Um, ah, it's and maybe that's me seeing that aesthetic there, but I don't know. Um, my middle school looked like an asylum to me. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, uh, but yeah, the I I can't imagine really it being worse than some of the schools around here, but I know it has to be. Mm.
0: Um, God, that's yeah. I think one thing that we do have going for us is we have people who, who really like the idea of moving to Eugene, so we get good teachers. We get, we, we've, get, we've got a lot of good teachers, um, and then there's like every institutional barrier you could think of to those people having the resources to succeed in their jobs. Um, but ultimately, that's probably the most important thing. Class size is also extremely important. Yeah. Um, do you remember No Child, no Child Left Behind? Oh, so, yeah, wasn't
1: that George W. Bush's whole thing?
0: Yeah, it was an unfunded mandate. So the idea was you got to take your tests, and the tests are going to have extreme consequences now, but we're not going to fund for the schools to do better. Uh, and we're not going to provide the opportunities for you to get better, really, if you do bad on these tests. You just have a greater chance of being shut down, etc. So wonderful. Anyway,
1: so punishment, no reward. They
0: didn't have any money. Where's the money? Where's the money? Well, I mean, two <laughs> unnecessary wars. Uh, major 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 part of the federal budget if you look at it it's just it's just nuts um so you're marvelo and you've got this interesting content on your channel that i would probably never look at because my my youtube is i mean those algorithms have me very figured out they know exactly what i'm interested in and body what did you say dysmorphia no. body
1: modifications Body
0: modifications. yeah
1: so is my my channel just i haven't done much of, of that <laughs> no my channel has a lot of weird random sh- stuff in there it's dope it, it's um a lot of ear stretching stuff i guess um uh i kind of started well i i had been doing uh modeling work for a while and then i just start decided to start my youtube channel and sort of Um, snowball off of that Mm -hmm. sort of thing Um, trying to like I don't know take the followers I already had and see if I could produce more Anakin what are you seeing I don't know he's getting all excited (laughs) anyway if you hear barking that's why sure Um, but yeah my my channel sort of became almost like a place to go and a therapeutic thing for me so i'll get get on there and smoke weed and just talk about whatever i want to talk about Mm. and i i do edit my videos quite a bit but it's really nice because that way even if i wasn't in the best mind frame at the time i can always edit the video to make sure you can come out of it with a positive message even if i wasn't positive at the time Mm. i really love being able to take the negative out a little bit more. And I wish I could kind of do that with myself, but you cannot edit your life as you live it. So sure. But that's one thing like YouTube's been almost like a diary of sorts, I guess, for me. I don't know how to explain what I do with my channel. (laughs) (laughs) I've been venturing into live streams lately and I don't know what to think of that either, but yeah, just trying to have a good time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that you have a good balance between, you know, incorporating enough edits to, you know, refine the message that you want for the video. But some YouTubers are just hyper edited. You know what I mean? Yes. To the point where it's just uh, obnoxious. And I guess part of why I like the podcast that I'm doing and just uh, doing these fully unedited conversations is because it's just, there's two things. One, I think it establishes fairness between any, any guest that comes on my show, you know, they're going to get treated the same way. Cause if I start editing, I'm going to inevitably, you know, treat people better than other people, right? you know, uh, edit these shows to make them more polished. And that's just, it's, it's a lot of time in editing and it's, it's a, it's just less of a fair thing as far as I'm concerned. But then also like from this bigger standpoint of, and maybe this is a little lofty, but it's like, you know, I studied history a lot and, What is a historical moment? How does historical moment get translated into history and, you know, passed on? Well, if you edit a video, like you said, you know, if you were in a sad situation, maybe you had some negative thoughts and then you pull those out, then it's not that it's dishonest because what you create at the end is still, um, you putting it out. But for this, it's like, this is a, this is a moment in history, right? Marvelo is on my show, episode one sixty four of Less Stupid. Anything can happen. I don't know what's gonna happen. Um But I just like that. I like presenting it as it is. So
1: Yeah, and I I suppose with a podcast you've got a very long format as well. Sure. Um I think with YouTube Sometimes the algorithm favors different length videos um, sure. with f- podcast and long f- form video becoming more popular it's a lot easier, but it used to be like maybe ten years ago people could barely watch a four minute video right. and now people are more into eight sixteen minute Shane Dawson putting out full hour videos that you know wow. I will watch over and over again, yeah, but it has it has taken a lot to get to this point, and a lot of people like their content really concise so if i can um like that i just said um and it's not a big deal but (laughs) in my youtube channel i would edit every single um out because that's a fraction of a second that can potentially help me to retain my audience yes Uh, because audiences getting bored is fundamentally the thing that you're trying to prevent the most sure um but I do think that there is a point, a good point, to the fact that over editing can kind of make content lose its integrity in a sense. Hmm. Um, some some people can edit it in that way, um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you it's, have
0: a do you have a favorite video you've made that, are, that you're particularly proud of? <laughs>
1: uh, no, uh, cool. no, nope. I have a video that's more popular than all the other ones. I would say that the video I'm most proud of is not on my YouTube channel. And uh, it's gotten no uh, no love at all on Facebook. Okay. Um, it's an edit of Star Wars episodes one through three put to Kanye West's power. Oh, yeah. And maybe I should upload it on YouTube because it's pretty good. But, nice. But um, I just... I, it's just i think it's the funniest thing in the world but nice it seems that that kanye fans are lacking so I'll, and you know what the star wars prequels are pretty questionable too mm. so I, I have controversial taste kanye and the prequels of star wars We I have mean. both
0: always been fans of kanye and i just i mean as you you're a bipolar disorder right no maybe i don't fucking know i
1: have like a million anxiety disorders right. and major depression and i've experienced mania but i've never been diagnosed with bipolar disorder okay there you go so it's a question mark yes <laughs> i have borderline personality wild. yeah <laughs>
0: i'm not into it um, um
1: i like it better than depression mm. because my depression is really it, it's really depressing depression you know it's yeah. like it's gnarly i it's yeah. not safe and mania i just end up spending all my money Mm. And behaving sexually erratically, you know and <laughs> <laughs> um getting into trouble, but but it's safer trouble. it's like okay. they both suck, but you yeah. know i used i I was very irresponsible and induced mania mm-hmm. intentionally several times to mm. escape suicidal depression, you know sure, um and I don't know if that's a common thing to chemically induce mania because, as right. you said, it's very unpleasant sometimes,
0: yes, yeah. <laughs> it is um and the delusions that can be a part of that are frustrating cuz like i'm a i'm a pretty spiritual person uh in in a lot of ways not particularly out of like you know deep co- um loyalistic commitment to any particular religion like i would consider myself a christian but mm. um you know i i also really appreciate the bahai faith who basically say that you know everybody who's searching for a higher power is correct, you know every D de- mm. every Messiah, every deity. It's, it all it's just a very inclusive way to look at spirituality. Um, but then sometimes, like when I've been manic, and that's um, almost always been a result of like super concentrated or high levels of THC. Um, oh. that's that's when I like start to really believe that I'm in some kind of special com- communion with God, and it's just it's not that great. <laughs>
1: that's interesting though yeah. because I, I've never really and that's really been a while
0: since that hap- that's happened and I haven't really talked about it on the show but yeah May May 2019 was some rough rough stuff but anyway
1: I, I mean I saw you about pretty pretty soon after that time yeah, period I yeah, think yeah. yeah I mean that that's an interesting th- thing to think about because um, I know Kanye West does struggle with bipolar and talks about his right. relationship with God a lot too and I wonder if mm. that's it's It's just i I'm fascinated by psychology, and I very rarely think of how religious acts aspects might play into it mm. because I am not you know sure um, I wouldn't say I'm not spiritual, I like the use of that word, but when it comes to religion, I'm null and void mm. <laughs> and perfectly content with that, but yeah. um, I have a lot of respect for people who do have different beliefs right yeah it's 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 but yeah the the aspect of psychology beyond behind that is super cool to hear about
0: yeah i, I agree um and i appreciate that you know the yay album cover it's like i hate being bipolar it's, it's awesome, awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that album i thought that was a sick album
1: so i first heard that album in 2018 about a month after i got out of the psych ward for the first time mm. and I listened to that and the Kids See Ghost album, of course. Also ba- a great one. Yes. And I'd say um, the Yay album really encapsulated what it felt like leading up to being in the psych ward. And for me, the Kids See Ghost was like the coming out and feeling. I don't know. I was just thinking Kanye West, he knows what's up right now. Yeah. He can see into my soul. and. I'm
0: so, I'm so reborn. I'm moving forward. Yeah. Keep moving forward. <laughs> I remember when I first heard that song. I was in the the van for my work. And I was at McDonald's in the drive-through and I was like, this is a bop. Right? <laughs> um with psychology, I the very first uh class that I took, actually it was the second class I think I took in college was intro psych. And one of the things that was frustrating about it was that I just would get the heebie-jeebies because mm. I would I would learn about neurotransmitters and, you know, what SSRIs can do and, you know, inhibiting reuptake and just seeing that things that I think of in a pretty abstract way is like, oh, I'm happy right now. I'm sad. I'm, you know, I am uh, feel lonely. All these things are kind of a, a result of me feeling like I'm a robot, like, you know, because those things can kind of be tweaked and are, you know basically like uh when you learn about dendrites and you learn about these neurotransmitters bopping around uh and the receptors uh, it just feels like i'm not as in control of my life and my feelings as i thought
1: Yeah, yeah i i definitely see where you're coming from there um That happens a lot when I learn about, you know, chemistry, brain chemistry in general, or bodily chemistry, and how easy it is to modify anything that you would consider like an essential part of your being Mm. can be modified almost. Maybe not everything, but so many things that you would say, that's a part of who I am as a person— Just click a couple little things and it might not be anymore. Mm. Um, And that can be good or bad because if you're a very neurotic person and you tweak some of those things, you might have an easier time in life. But there are also some pretty terrifying implications. If you can get rid of those neurotic tendencies, what else can be changed?
0: Yeah. Who am I really? Yes.
1: Yes. And how much control do I have over myself? And if someone just gave me a certain chemical concoction, would I be a different person? Mm. Um, and that brings like the question around very philosophical of who even am I? Like what makes me me? Who am I? And Ugh. what is even, what is this? What does being a person mean? And um, yeah. I ask that question a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, our friend Emma Bradley has shared this thing, uh, I think twice she shared it, of like the idea of perspective and all the different perspectives out there that exist of you and the idea that really I don't exist, Thomas Hura doesn't exist, Amber Beatty doesn't exist, but thousands of of ideas of who Amber Beatty is Mm -hmm. based on their personal perspective and experience of with you and what they've read of what you've shared and what memories they have and even how those memories change over time. Those are, those are you. I don't know.
1: It reminds me of um, a quote, I believe by John Green, uh, what it's something along the lines of what happened isn't what happened, uh, what you remember becomes what happened, more or less. How
0: ah. your
1: mind distorts a memory, and while in my opinion, it doesn't really change the fact that what happened happened that way, what matters really is how people are perceiving things because, yeah. in the end, perception is more or less reality. Mm. And, um, gosh, I, I wish more people would really consider that because in so many social interactions if you if people would care less about being right and more about the perception the other person has they would have a more positive interaction i think
0: hmm. i think that's smart um one thing that i have noticed about myself is that so i really like people i love people a lot and you know i've had thousands of people in my life who i would consider my friends and it just as a result of the way I view the world, like one of the, one of the primary things I believe is that we are all the same. Um, I'm talking about human beings cause I've never been that into animals. I'm getting, I'm getting more into them now as I stare at this beautiful I was, dog.
1: I was wondering why I was staring at you and <laughs> I realized it's the licorice.
0: Right. <laughs> the black licorice, which you hate. You are so lucky. I'm still <laughs> podcasting with you after you shit on black licorice and potatoes. <laughs> Oops. um, Humans are all the same. So if I see somebody and I decide that I hate them, I just think that that is ultimately an expression of me hating myself. I mean, I view people as products of their circumstances. I view behavior as something that can be changed, especially um, for people who are younger. Sometimes I'm like, my dad will never fucking change and I'm tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that one. So, yeah. and, And really what I'm saying about friends is that even as I go through life, and, you know, I haven't seen probably 90% of the people that I went to high school with uh, since high school. Right. But to me, I just, I hang on to those people in my heart a little bit fondly, like more than other people. Um, and so I could find out something bad, like somebody went to jail for stealing a car or something else. And, and I would, and I would be able to, I, I, most of the time, I wouldn't just be like, oh man, that person's a dick. I, I would, want to know why i would want to know the context and that wouldn't hurt uh or alter the memories that i have of that person um i don't know how do you feel about that
1: i more or less i i agree like um that's kind of the concept of loving people from a distance you know once you like once you let someone into your heart in a certain respect it's hard to or nearly impossible to let that go and I do also agree that people are mostly a product of their circumstances. Um, depending on what situation you're in in life, you do different things just to survive. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily telling of who what your character is, but rather what you're going through. Um, yes. And, and that reminds me, again, of something... John Green says, "said um, because I'm quite fond of the Green Brothers." Yeah, they're great. Yeah, um, imagine others complexly is this constant foundation of their videos. We need to imagine others as being <coughs> containing multitudes, like we do. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> well, that's fun. We're po- we're doing a podcast. Yep. My mom just walked in. Hi there. Hi. hi.
0: Totally unedited podcast. Um, so. Don't shout any obscenities that you don't want to be on the line. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you so much. Anyway, um, John Green.
1: John, yeah, okay. I was talking about the concept of imagining uh, people complexly as something that they kind of preach constantly. Yeah. trying to recenter where I was there. I love them. So when when you imagine others um, complexly, when they're in a situation like that, you have to sort of, you know, it it kind of helps in my, at least for me, to give people the same doubt, like benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. um, that I would for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's this thing that said that we see other people as permanent traits and we see ourselves usually as a string of circumstances and actions that led to where we're at. Yeah. So it's really easy to see someone maybe uh, driving like a maniac and think that guy's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of crap. And really, he's just having a really bad day. And mm-hmm. a lot of people would be driving like a maniac if they were having <laughs> that kind of day. Yeah. Um. So.
0: And then most of us have made those kinds of driving mistakes. I've seen a meme where it's like, oh, I see someone like you know not use their blinker. What an asshole! I don't do it. Oops. Lol.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's one of those things where sometimes we don't think about um viewing other people the way that we see our own internal world and um right. that's what the imagining complexly really means right i like that yeah
0: yeah um i really appreciate about them the crash course Series, especially um, there are so many different topics you can learn about, like artificial intelligence, economics. Um, but for me, history, world history, and U.S. history, those have been a really cool way that I've been able to brush up on that kind of knowledge that I really care about a lot. Um, and you know, frankly, I didn't read a lot of the history stuff in high school. Uh, I was busy doing other shit, um, <laughs> and/or right. I knew that I would get an A by you know BSing enough, etc. Um, but that's been really cool to be able to go and, and dive into that and have, you know, 10 minute sort of bite-sized chunks where they break down really cool, uh, periods of history. Um, I think that YouTube is a place where I have learned so much more than just about anywhere else in the whole world, more than probably from books, more than from, my family members in some ways. Um, yeah. But YouTube, for me, like, I would love to chat with you about, like, the evolution of YouTube because uh, it was – it, it was, there was something really special about it back in the day when it was only 360p, you know, resolution. Oh, and yeah. video responses were, you know, yes. super common. So you would have real dialogues that you could be a part of and you could watch that play out between people who have differing opinions.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually started my YouTube channel, um, in, well, not this one, but my first YouTube channel in 2006. So. Right on. So I've been on YouTube since just about the beginning. Nice. Yes. And, uh, it has changed so much. Um, when it first existed, I never would have thought anyone could make money on it alone. Oh yeah. Let alone make millions and give tons of people careers, you know, um, I was just making silly videos, and the idea that there could have been at that beginning point in YouTube that it could have been useful in the like for teaching right. No one thought of that. It was mostly just for comedy videos and mm-hmm. cat videos, yeah, um I mean there still are a lot of cat videos, but <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think there there have been so many different um, because on the internet time moves faster you know sure. one, one year in internet time is like a decade pretty mm-hmm. much um, so it's hard because there have been so many periods of YouTube um, I would say yeah the, the one of the more recent most
0: of the good ones were before Google bottom. but
1: um yeah and so Maybe in a not. lot of ways mm. um Google AdSense does help smaller creators be able to make sure. money but in se- ever since the ad apocalypse of 2018 I believe 2017 mm. it's been a really big struggle um, that was a big era the adpocalypse things have changed a lot mm. um, having a lot of children on YouTube really right. changed a lot um, YouTube true. has had to make tons of changes to make sure children are not watching inappropriate content every
0: time I upload they f- force me to check a box saying if this is or is not a video for children Yeah, I could choose to make it um, across the board where nothing is for children, but I but I want to open up the possibility that I would make a video that's totally kid friendly someday.
1: You would think with my channel, I would also opt out of that, but I also keep the option just in case one day I'm not going to talk about <laughs> weed or body mods or if, yeah. it, if a kid wants to watch me stretch my ears, I really don't think there's much wrong with that.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean
0: they're going to see people in the world with stretched ears regardless.
1: It also is on the off chance there's no f bomb in a video. Mm. Um, I'm sure with your podcast that might be. Ish- problematic as You're well. You're not even
0: allowed to say the phrase F-bomb. I have to edit that out. What? I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen Jeffree Star editing out his F-bombs. And really? I'm like, that guy, I didn't How think... How boring. <laughs> be- <laughs> well, they don't... A lot of big creators will smoke weed off camera now because uh-huh. it's just so discouraged. Oh, really? Yes. It is extremely discouraged. Um, it's hard to make money when you smoke weed on the internet.
0: Have you... Um- Made any good connections and friends through WeedTube?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, A couple. So, there was a girl who makes pagan videos, and I was subscribed to her for years, and eventually she subscribed to my channel, started commenting on my videos, Hmm. and now we're friends. So, it was weird. I don't know if she found me because I was a subscriber, Hmm. so that was cool. I've um, been able to connect with pre-existing friends. You might know Marissa. uh, Yeah. She has a channel. Marissa Smokes. Marissa Smokes, or, uh, ooh, I do not know how to pronounce her other one. She has a new art oh, cool. aspect thing. Uh, Mers I don't know. It's, it's like right. M R S K R Z C H Y or something. Sounds
0: pretty unpronounceable.
1: <laughs> it has no vowels.
0: Okay, I like that, yeah, it's see it's, the it's limitations por- <laughs> of podcasts as a medium
1: <laughs> yeah <that's>,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but it's um, I've been able to connect with a lot of cool people. I've made a lot of friendships um I've had a couple like different industry type things where I've gotten some free products, but it's not been anything huge, you know, right, um, and a lot of that, I think, is because YouTube is not super friendly to the cannabis industry, sure which is very sad because I really think cannabis is something that more people need to hear about. Um, especially based on some of the comments I get, I am under the impression some people still do think it's as bad as meth or heroin. Okay. Um, I get a lot of very ignorant comments on my videos when uh, it is definitely um, a better option than opiates. Um mm. And that's a big thing that I talk about on my channel is the um, using cannabis to get off of opiate pain medications Hmm. or um, recreational use of opium or heroin. Um, And I've had a lot of people reach back out to me. And that's my favorite part of my channel is when people message me and talk to me about like my videos making a difference. So um, I've had people tell me that after watching my videos, they switched to medical marijuana and no longer use opiates Um,
0: that's amazing
1: yes yes and i really wish youtube would encourage that more because it is such a great thing um we're having it's terrible the war on drugs and whatnot the opiate crisis um fentanyl in general it's awful
0: yeah um fentanyl gets into a lot of other stuff uh that people cut into it
1: Yes, uh, my time being... straight up just kills people. My time being homeless, that's the number one thing people are afraid of, um, is fentanyl in all of the everything. Yeah, Uh, All of, like, no matter what they're buying, I've heard people having their marijuana laced with fentanyl. I didn't know that was possible. And this 15-year-old girl uh, who hangs out on the streets was telling me about that, and that's terrifying. Wow. It's it's really terrifying. And, um, I mean, obviously, smoking weed can't help you help stay away from um, drugs being cut with things like that. Right, But if we could undermine the, the pharmaceutical industry for painkillers, then people wouldn't have access to that fentanyl.
0: And I think if more people quickly understand what uh, the industries have done in Colorado, funding a lot of school programs, and in Oregon, um, they will hopefully wake up to the fact that if you provide it as a legal um, thing that people can experience and access, you know, you won't get that those uh, the risk of those kinds of uh, things being added to the cannabis.
1: Right. Indeed.
0: Because you have real regulations in place. I Wait. mean, it's uh, similar to sex work. I mean.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. That if, is something. If we had
0: real regulations in that industry, because no one's going to stop that industry from, you know, being a thing here in U- Eugene area. No. Or anywhere. (laughs) No. Um, But we need to have real protections for the people that go into it because it's very, very dangerous.
1: Yeah, the um, STD rate in Eugene, which does have a lot of sex work, is ridiculous. There Hmm. is so much going on. And if there was, I don't know, some sort of... uh, regulation on it i guess yeah Mm. Uh, where people had to get regular testing um Mm -hmm. and maybe had like a permit for sex work that they got by verifying their testing and maybe teaching people how to stay safe as well because people who are doing sex work don't always necessarily take the precautions that they might not know about them you know yeah um so that education could be very useful as well i i really think that um that that is something we should be doing. And I don't know why no one is talking about it on when it comes to like, we're trying to get uh, magic mushrooms legalized. Mm. No one's talking about anything to do with sex work ever. Yeah. Um, And that's crazy because it's been going on for so long and it's not going anywhere.
0: (laughs) Well, it's another one of those things where
1: you going back to John's. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you for letting us do this. Um, it's one of those things Amber Survivor? where send a
1: later. <laughs> it
0: emerges out of this puritanical society that we have been founded on. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting because um, a lot of those values uh, and I, and I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but they're, when you repress sexuality, uh, you're, you're using it to control people, that's for sure, and largely historically to control women. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, we still haven't come to a place where uh, enough people, in my view, see uh, a Nicki Minaj or a Cardi B uh, or uh, any, a woman who's really expressing their sexuality and taking ownership over it and being like a boss-ass bitch right. is seen as a positive thing.
1: Yeah, um, and that's something now. Uh, th- now that my mom's not in the room, I'm yeah. totally comfortable talking about this. Now <laughs> I sell nudes. I do nude modeling. Right I've done pornography. Oh cool. um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> 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 um, Anyway, um, so I I am quite literally a sex worker. Now, am I doing prostitution? No. Um, but is that sex work? Yes, this is legal sex work. And nice. when it comes to pornography, quite often, they do have those testings in place. Mm, um, of course. But uh, I've noticed um, there... Well, two things. First off, I've noticed a lot of people starting to get a little bit more accepting of people selling nudes and such. And I, th- I think... That there still is a lot of judgment, but there are a lot of sure. people who are very encouraging. Um, generally, I've found not, not that I have a lot of a um, female friends. Surprisingly, I thought that a lot of my female friends would not be encouraging, but they are very encouraging of it. And that's awesome. So many of them want to know more about how to do it, mm. and uh, and that speaks volumes to me. It's one of those things where everyone wants to know, but it's also kind of terrifying. Yeah um come on annie you don't want to go bother
0: him. when you shot uh, pornography i wouldn't even know if that's happening in eugene is that like portland area or? that
1: was portland sure? and it was in a pretty big studio and uh-huh. it was some pretty intense fetish stuff and wow. i'm almost ashamed of it not quite. Oh, okay
0: all not right. quite
1: but almost it was good money um okay but yeah it was pretty hardcore Did, you just decided you're gonna go hang out with him now <laughs> it's all <laughs> yeah, good with me come on you good boy Okay. Yeah.
0: The least, the less we talk about the dog, the better, though, because the audio listeners are just missing out hardcore, and I don't want them to feel alienated.
1: For sure. I just, <laughs> I'm obsessed. It's just a thing. Um, but the, uh, let's see. Um, there was something else on the subject of sex work. Mm. And I'm hoping my mind will get back well, to you, it. At well, some point. you
0: mentioned the hardcore. Uh, I, you didn't use the word kink, but um, that kind of stuff that you did. Fetish. Yeah. Fetish. And. Um, one of the things that can be unfortunate is you have a lot of young women going into the industry and then um, if they aren't, you know some of the most successful of that sort of cohort of women who come in at that time, then it's harder for them to stay in the industry very long, longer than a year, year and a half, two years. Um, And for them to do so, they might have to take gigs that um, they feel are more degrading. Yeah. um, But that they, you know, don't have a lot of other choices for. Um,
1: Uh, Yeah. But maybe if
0: like, you know, prostitution was legal. They, you know, could have different options. Uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, okay. One thing it's not about something
0: I've thought about too much, but happy to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing about prostitution is it's a totally different service as well. Yes. Um When you're if for just for f- from the point of view of say someone who is going to um, to pay for sex work. If you're at home consuming pornography, you're not going to really feel any less lonely. There is so much to be said for um, how comforting having contact with another human being is. Mm. And um, sorry, coronavirus times, the, that's rough right now. But like, there are some people who, when they pay a sex worker, it's not just about the sex, it's oftentimes about just the physical intimacy with another human. Sure. And that is. Um, That is uh, really, to me, really sad that it's not legal because to take that intimacy away from people, like knowing that someone that doesn't have it and they could have that, you know? It's very sad to me um, that we don't allow that, you know?
0: Sure, and it's like, come on. Like, you know sugar relationships, (laughs) right? There are people who if they want to pay for sex, they can do it. It's just you have to be rich. <laughs> you know, you have to do it in these very uh, not as explicit and, in fact, sort of maybe less honest ways, like like you know, have a relationship like that, where um, or just you know, in the way that whether you think someone as your sugar daddy or you know sugar mama or whatever um, or not. Like the nature of relationships is often—I uh, don't want to just say transactional—but like that's that's kind of how things can can sometimes be. So when you are targeting, you know, when you're Kamala Harris and you've targeted all these sex workers and like thrown them into prison, it's just you're you're targeting vulnerable people who are doing something that is deeply a part of humanity and always will be, as far as I can see.
1: Yes, I'm trying to think. You would know better than me how long historically sex work has been a thing.
0: Mm, for forever. I mean, it <laughs> was they call in the it, Bible, na- right? They call it, uh, you know, the oldest profession. The yes, Nature's first do. profession. Yeah, I mean
1: yes yeah it, it, that is true i i do recall that being in the title of a cobra starship song oh really that's the only way i know wow that
0: you're bringing me back to 2009 <laughs> <laughs> i
1: saw them in concert in 2008 so nice yeah you've also
0: seen harry the harry and the potters yes did this sign your tit
1: no <laughs> no i'm oh, mixing
0: out that up with the mother, another friend no so. <laughs> but i have a harry
1: and the potters sticker on my ukulele
0: that's awesome
1: i've seen them twice yes they're 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 wonderful. I actually bought their newest CD.
0: Yeah? I haven't heard it yet.
1: Oh, it's good.
0: I love the first three full-length ones. Harry and the Potter, Voldemort, Can't Stop the Rock, and The Power of Love. Those are all very, very good. Um yes. Maybe I'm biased because I'm not a great singer, but like I love music by people that aren't like necessarily the best musicians. It just has heart, and it has, uh, I guess, quirky is a little bit of... I'll just say it. Yeah, they're quirky.
1: I feel that, and I appreciate it as someone who busks and who listens to a lot of buskers. um, Being homeless, that's definitely something that I got into a lot, is I love listening now to folk punk. Because a lot of times, those people aren't the best, but there's emotion, and it's real, it's genuine. And that's what matters, is that you're just enjoying what you do. Um, and that, you, you you know, you're playing with emotion. Who cares if you don't sound perfect? You sound right. like you're putting your heart out there. And that's what music, I mean, I think should be about more so. Less about sounding good and more about sharing your feels.
0: I'm totally into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... The stuff that I, that's spoken to me the most. I mean, frankly, Insane Clown Posse is one of my favorite bands in the whole world. Are you a juggalo? I'm a fucking juggalo. <laughs> I'm a straight oh, up yeah. a juggalo. I've been to six and a half ICP shows. Six and a half. Yep. Yep. Yeah, my girlfriend at the time she was not hanging after five songs. It was sad. (laughs) Yeah, she was really deal breaker. uh, She was deeply uncomfortable being around juggalos, and I think there was a lot of class element to that, and that was kind of a bummer. But also, I mean, she's an ardent uh, college educated feminist, and like a lot of the lyrics are like Mm. not playing into that. I think that there is like there is don't don't get me wrong there is an intellectual case to be made for icp as a force for social good but if you're just somebody who thinks that like you know someone yelling about um stabbing bitches or something like that i'm not even sure that they've even used that phrase but if you listen to the song bitches featuring odb uh it's (laughs) you know it's it's definitely has the the opportunity to set people off um, and I can understand that. I understand it can be triggering and, um, yeah, it is violent. Um, but I think that if you look deeper into it, it's not that different from a religion. I mean, the religions that we love are violent. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I wouldn't say you love them, um, uh, from what I've heard, but, oh, but, you know,
1: I love some people who are religious. So I don't necessarily love religious institutions. Yeah. 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 Say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. There
0: we go. Yeah. Um, Uh, So much great stuff to talk about. Um, But I haven't talked to people on the podcast, really, who uh, shared a perspective you shared before we started rolling, which is like, uh, you know, you kind of look forward to being homeless again, like you enjoy it more than living in... Being housed.
1: Yeah. We call it a housey, Or uh, quite generally, most housed people are called yuppies, which I don't agree with calling all housed people yuppies. Sure, it's very different. The culture... Is just so different of being homeless. It feels. Um, I I was never lonely. I felt like you know, um, wow. like because especially where where we're well where we're at in Eugene, a lot of people call it homeless light because it there are so many services mm. in Eugene and there are so many homeless people that it does make it pretty. Easy. Not that being homeless anywhere is easy, but it makes it easier. Um, There, there's community. There are resources. You generally don't go hungry. You'll be cold. (laughs) The um, the shelters. I do not use them. But there's just there was such a feeling of community. I had not had that feeling of community in maybe not my entire life. I I felt so connected, and I would talk to. So many different types of people every I, day.
0: That's something I wanted to get into. Was that there's this amazingly uh, just inaccurate perception from I guess houses <laughs> from yeah. from um, more of the contingent of people who really like to smear and talk down on and and talk about how you know the homeless are the the stain of Eugene or whatever. Um, who they just assume that that's like you're talking about like you know. Uh, uniform, uh, head homogeneous group of people right it's like no i've got people who you know love eric jackson uh and uh, you know are big, big into the protest sort of camps that he is all about and then i've got people who don't even know who he is or and i don't know who he is yeah okay there you go <laughs> uh and it's like it's not you're not talking about one group of people you're talking about a whole lot of different people who have experienced houselessness um who have a very a variety of perspectives on it
1: right and a lot of people that depends on the reason people have become uh homeless or home free a lot of people like to put that term um i just say homeless but the reason that a lot of people become homeless like they're it's argued a lot but i think a lot of them are you know it's often financial um sure but a lot of times it's also due to your health maybe disability or mental health is very common but more and more, I'm meeting a lot of people who are homeless entirely by choice. Mm. And I do have a lot of respect for those people. Um, a lot of them tend to be more traveling types. And um, for a lot of people, it is circumstantial. But others, it's like they're taking their circumstance and they're making the best of it. Right. Um, that's more what I I thought of it as. I was not homeless by choice, but I was just going to make the best of it. Um and it it is important to remember as well, there are so many types of homeless people. There's no one size fits all. Uh, it's just like, I, th- I think you meet so many, I mean, just being homeless, not just the homeless people. You're meeting other people too, but you're meeting a lot of homeless people and everyone's got a different story and a different background. And there's so much less judgment that you can sure. go a lot deeper because a lot of the superficial things that would maybe be things people are like judging or like trying to level people up and see where they compare to them. Mm-hmm. You don't get that as much with bums because the number one thing we'll compete over is who who's the dirtiest. I mean, like <laughs> we get proud of our dirt um, I, and it it's there's so much love. I, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, of course, there are no, there are tons of people who aren't great in any community, but there is sure. so much love in the homeless community. Yes. Um. And there's something to be said about um, you may you're losing your security when you're not housed, but I think you really gain a lot of
0: freedom mm.
1: in a lot of ways. Um. When you're housed, you have a lot of things. Hannah, can stop it. You have a lot of things you have to worry about. You have
0: to maintain a lot of things, and yeah. and worry about a whole you know regulations and utilities and eWeb and um yeah. I mean, it's not not a perspective people think about all that often. No, because in the fifties they well, and before that they basically sold us this idea of the white picket fence and the two two and a half person nuclear family, and you know um, moving out to the suburbs, not living in the city, um, having a lawn. Having a lawn is some shit, dog. Why would anyone want a lawn? Why do you need a lawn? Why do you why it's it's about ego. Did you see my mom's lawn? It's all weeds and dead. <laughs> like,
1: if I had to have a lawn, I would put turf in. It's it is all about it's ego. It's
0: deeply ecologically unsound to just dump clean, good drinking water into the into your lawn.
1: Right. It's, it's so wasteful. Can you imagine how some people like that don't have clean wa- drinking water probably feel just seeing people putting their sprinklers out like in California when they have dry- droughts and then yeah. people are still trying to water their damn lawn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm with that. Yeah. Um, I like mowing the lawn though. I gotta say I, I do enjoy that.
1: I've um, been
0: lucky enough to never do that in my life. <laughs> I listen to Eminem.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I
0: mow the lawn. It's good shit.
1: Did you hear that some people were misspelling martial law when they thought that that was going to be done? And they Marco thought
0: Rubio, sitting they U.S. senator he, from Florida. Wait, he, he did. did? Oh, absolutely. He misspelled it? I think he's from Florida. So, oh, yeah, twice in the same tweet. No. It just anytime you're a legislator and you're trying to look smart and tough, like, you know, oh, we have to do this, and it's just like, dude, if you have a typo in there, I just, immediate eye roll. Even if I don't even do it, just cognitively eye roll. Cofefe. the other day and none of them get even any attention anymore because our president just does it so flagrantly and constantly but like uh, he talked about going to different sites and instead of s-i-t-e-s you're at s-i-g-h-t-s it's like do you how do you
1: (laughs) (laughs) how did you get elected man we we, we know we know how it happened you don't need to tell me but But with the whole martial law being misspelled, some people thought that was the name of the new Eminem album and that he was <laughs> announcing a new album called Martial Law. Now he's got to do it, right?
0: He better. I mean, <laughs> it's what I was publicity. thinking about, I thought about tweeting this today is like Eminem is the only, or actually I was going to phrase it as there's only one artist who went from being super underrated to super overrated and then back to super underrated. And it's Eminem. That's what I believe. I think that before he got his chance with Dr. Dre, he was underrated. And then like becoming the white savior of the, all of the suburban rap world, uh, everybody kind of lifted him up as being the greatest of all time. And then he had to live up to that. And he made some bad projects. And he had a drug problem. And his best friend, Proof, died. And uh, things happened. But he's got some records that are just so fucking good from the perspective of how well a person can write rap lyrics, like how much uh double meaning and entendre mm-hmm. and um complex rhyme schemes he can do. He can compete with anybody. He can get literally any rapper from any era on a track and outshine them. Um but also That's do respect do justice and respect to what they do also. Um but the last two albums he they're acclaimed, but he doesn't get nearly the credit for it that I think he really deserves because everybody's like, oh fucking Eminem. You know, I'm beginning to feel like I'm an Elie Elemit the killer because I'm be the vanilla gorilla, you're bringing the killer with the me out of me. You don't wanna be the enemy, the demon the enemy, me and be the Steven enemy. he was to be Yeah. Anyone rap god, huh? Uh it's just like, oh it's fucking Eminem, <laughs> I just tune it out. You know, it's like, dude, that's pretty good shit.
1: Eminem but that, is but incredible. That's just my perspective. But I mean me uh, for for me, my in my opinion on rap probably wouldn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but I he was the first rapper that i even liked um but i'm a white woman so yeah. i guess that's pretty stereotypical right <laughs> i mean
0: i mean well in that era if you're talking about like two thousand, two thousand one 2001 ish 2000, 2000 right. 2002 when he really busted on and uh well 99 really but the point is that like the media was such a different thing and we we didn't have social media to which is now where we spend a lot of our time self-curating what we're interested in but you didn't have very many choices back then so and and, you know you listen to the radio and there aren't that many options um and eugene has basically never had a hip-hop station what that to me is ridiculous we had 94.9 jams but that was not really a hip-hop i mean that's the closest thing yeah
1: we had I mean, they had a song come out called Eugene Lean. I don't know if you remember that song. Ah, I
0: think I do remember that song. <laughs> and one of my
1: friends was a, is a local rapper, and he was featured on that track. Oh, shit. I, I thought that station was pretty decent. Okay, yeah. It's way better than K-Duck, at the very least.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Which,
1: is K-Duck still a thing? I don't listen to the radio. K-Duck
0: does indeed still exist. They're still doing their thing.
1: They used to have the summer concert series, and it was the first live music experience I ever had. So good on them for that. Well,
0: if you want to talk about these big, clear-channel radio stations, the ones that lost their integrity to me are not like the K-Duck Top 40 stations, but like the alternative rock stations. And what gets passed now as rock agreed that's it's, yeah yeah
1: like 97.9 or whatever what, what I think yeah, they now it's
0: 107 point no 103.7 but it's nrq and it's it's yeah, like
1: it's, it sounds like Duck to me yeah it's, it's pretty much sounds like a top 40 station exactly except for they play imagine dragons and 21 pilots sometimes
0: yep and it's just like uh <laughs> gruff sort of like i'm i'm an outcast outsider kind of like white guy uh front man in front of the same synths you know that you would hear just about anywhere else and um mm. yeah i just remembering now like in my previous episode with uh, cross cross k beat maker he had this perfect impression of like thunder shouts to brian that song's a whole inside joke between brian and i Man,
1: I wish I listened to modern music. I'm still listening to like My Chemical Romance from 2008. Nice. Yes. I listen to Helena every day. There you go. It's, and is I, that
0: the one that goes, what's the worst that I can say? Yes, it is. Things are better if I stay so long and good night. Yes. Yeah, it's good shit. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I play "I'm Not Okay" on my ukulele. I'm not okay. I'm not,
0: yes. not okay. My the the song that hit hardest for me was "I Don't Love You." Oh, really? Yeah. Just that was just uh, it was some shit with my girlfriend and I, and it was just like, yeah, we we we, yeah. The point is. <laughs> i love gerard way uh i saw right. my chemical romance in portland at the crystal ballroom on gerard way's mother
1: birthday how long ago was that
0: um the black parade tour that oh. was when i was in middle school so i think it was 2007
1: i'm very envious yeah, yeah. i mean i was going to warp tours they back then it. but my chemical romance Mance beats out half the warp tour bands anyway that's incredible
0: yeah ray toro on guitar is pretty fucking great
1: yeah, and this yeah. coronavirus has delayed the My Chemical Romance tour, so oh, it did. Yeah, so maybe, just maybe, I might be able to snag tickets when they re-release the new dates.
0: I would be fucking great, right? Yeah, pretty much any. Yeah, th- honestly. Um, so, somebody I'm Facebook friends with, Whitney Moore from the Birdemic movie, the movies that I love so much, uh, who is the only person who was in those movies that actually has like a pretty legitimate acting career now. <laughs> I really hope James Wen doesn't hear that. Uh, he's the director of Birdemic. And Birdemic. Yeah, Birdemic is my all-time favorite movie. It's fucking amazing. I could go into it for hours and hours and hours. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm fascinated. I don't even know what it's about. I know nothing about this shit. You probably don't want to go into Are you going to go into it right now? <laughs> or are you going to tell me all about it?
0: <laughs> well, I love bringing up Birdemic to people who have no idea what it is. I really do. Because... Whatever the low expectation you have right now in your head of this movie is, you watch it and you're like, you don't even realize that a, a real movie could be as bad as it is. Um, oh, well, because
1: I'm thinking like level of Thanksgiving. Right.
0: And people throw out Thanksgiving. They throw out Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. They throw out Sharknado.
1: Wait, really? Is it And those them?
0: movies are all like fucking Citizen Kane compared to Burdemic. Oh, fuck. Birdemic is half a notch above. Ninth grade video project for 90 minutes. Um, oh. But it was like they used to sell it in Best Buy. It used to stream on Netflix. What? We're talking about this way more than I wish. Now I'm going to have to timestamp this as a topic, but I'm not going into it. The point is Whitney Moore shared on Facebook this petition where you know our legislators right now um, are trying to move forward for this uh, stimulus package slash coronavirus relief effort. Um, but the entertainment industry is not getting much of that. Like the like because, you know, if you're not if you're somebody who makes a good living doing stand up comedy or live music or whatever it is, you don't clock into work. Mm-mm. You know, you might only work once a week, yep. or even a few times a month, but you know, you make a real living and it's a real serious thing for you. Um and those people are hurt deeply by no public gatherings for the foreseeable future. And, uh, we need to get help to those people as well. Yes. Artists make life worth living.
1: Yeah. Art makes life worth living. Mm -hmm. Um, and art, there's no art without artists. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't make a ton of money on their art, but even the bit that they do allows them to create it. Um, and that's why like I think it's really cool how many people have been and hopefully more people will reach out to artists on their social medias and their patreons and such and help find ways to if they can help contribute to that art they love wh- even while they can't really necessarily enjoy it um I think that that's a I think that's a pretty cool thing to be able to do because um, I don't know if you notice this maybe you don't follow them but dropkick murphy's had this concert they ended mm-hmm. up canceling it and doing a facebook live stream concert and with that obviously they're not really making money unless facebook paid them which they very mel- may w- well, well, very mm. well may have yeah but um
0: they are making not, some
1: publicity like they, yeah they, that's good so you know that that's something else you can do for your favorite comedians artists anything is even if you can't uh give them money to a patreon or anything right now or buy merch you can go like and share their posts and on social media because that's where all of our eyes are glued right now right that's an amazing thing that you could really do for for someone um Mm. it makes a huge difference i know for me it definitely makes a difference too Mm. just like just like trying to promote and hype up the people that you care about who do art it's like it means a lot just getting a share on a oh, post
0: it means so much it
1: makes your heart explode a little bit yeah <laughs> shares
0: are awesome um and Amber oh my gosh like I'm thinking back to a time in college where um I realized um, because I went to a school where uh, the majority of my friends were very privileged and um, had a lot of came from money and many of them were really nice people they went to this really cool um like Hip college uh, and wanted to you know be nice people, but but many of them were so steeped in that world of coming from really wealthy places that it felt very much like we viewed the world differently. And one thing is that like yeah, I mean if you're someone who grew up in Eugene, Oregon, where there isn't money, unless you're Phil Knight, there's no there's mm-hmm. no money in Eugene, yeah, right, um, and. If you were trying to do something and promote it and, and be successful online with, you know, whether it's a small business or, you know, just like being an artist, that means the world. And so giving people likes on their shit, go on likes on their profile pictures, likes on their Instagram posts, although that was a little later, yeah. um, that meant a lot. And it's something you can do for free. Absolutely. Um, but like... I had people where I did that and I would go through and like a bunch of their photos on Instagram or wherever. And like, they thought that was weird. They thought it was me being weird. it's like, that's just such a, such an interesting dynamic to experience because yeah, it's like,
1: I mean, if you're doing it at like three thirty in the morning,
0: sure. That makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. Um, or if you're specifically only liking certain types of pictures. Sure. Like if I have, for example, my Instagram, I have dog, weed, selfies, and then like half nudes. Mm-hmm. If you were only liking the nudes, I'd get a certain. But if you're liking the ones with my dog in it too, I'd be like, this person's just hyping me up. Yeah. Um, I almost think sometimes people are looking for something to get offended by. (laughs) and um because if someone gets upset at you like why did you post it if you're not wanting people to heart it if you comment something creepy get mad yeah absolutely get mad uh but it's just a like and how is that i don't i mean that's what we want when i Mm -hmm. post something i want all the likes all of them sure and if you want to like all my posts at once on instagram hell yeah like hype me up i Uh,
0: like scrolling through that (laughs) yes um but, but uh, then I think a positive thing is, um, you know, with the culture of likes, uh, especially the impact on youth and middle schoolers and blah, 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 like I think uh, Instagram is eventually going to hide likes, uh, public likes. And I think that that is probably positive. I don't know the best way to sort of substitute for that um, and, you know, have the positive function that a like serves without the negative of the, the chasing it. Um, but like, you know, here's one of the things that, that Facebook, uh, it's changed so much. It's changed so (laughs) much in, in part because of they're having to compete with these different platforms that have, that have been so popular. They bought out Instagram, so they're not a competitor anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, if you look at, you know, you ever look at your memories from posts from nine years ago, seven years ago, people would comment a lot myspace you didn't even have likes on profile pictures
1: oh I and miss so MySpace. people would
0: would pc for <laughs> pc they would photo comment yep. uh and so it's actually like a real like you have to put a little bit of creativity into what you're gonna say even if it's just a smiley face or you look great or you know uh fuck you i hate that pikachu sweatshirt everybody has that stupid hooded sweatshirt whatever yeah. it is it's a real contribution right. that is that is like created now you have six different reactions And then it's like, I mean, I think it's cool if I post something on Facebook and it gets 120 reactions, mostly likes and loves. But I almost would rather have like a bunch of people commenting, even if it's to have a back and forth for people to disagree on shit.
1: So I think that's maybe something that I've always been confused about because I love getting comments on my posts and feedback and interaction, right? Right. But... I get a little scared to comment on people's posts. Yes. Because I'm like, so many people are going to see that. And what if they disagree with me? And what if this person who's, who made the post thinks I'm hijacking their post? Or what if yes. they this? Or what if that? And I try to... You're one of the people I do try to comment on some of your posts from time to time.
0: i always uh, appreciated it.
1: And and I, I you always give feedback and you always tell people thank you for your... And so I always feel comfortable to do it again. Mm. A lot of people... and. This is another one of those unhealthy social media things. But if I don't get a like when I comment or a comment back, I'm like, "Ooh, that person didn't want me to comment. they, yeah. they ignored my comment. They commented back to everyone else but me.
0: Yeah, And
1: now I'm never commenting on their status again because I'm embarrassed and humiliated. And that is so unhealthy.
0: It is, it is. And, and you know, we both have anxiety disorders, so it's yes. like you can spend way too much time thinking about that kind of shit. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it is real. Um, and it's just this drawback, uh, you know, like right now with uh, everybody self-isolating, like there's all this encouragement of connecting more through social media, and that's that's good. But, I mean, that is a serious limitation of social media is that you would think we are being especially communicative, but like we have to make those kinds of considerations. Like, did they, did they appreciate what I wrote? You know, yeah. and it's like, if you, you're face to face with people, you can get more of that. I hope.
1: That's why I've been trying to kind of video chat one-on-one with people a little mm-hmm. more. Um, there's so much, I mean, they, you know, there's those, like when you're in person, you get all the cues from someone. Video chat is kind of helpful like that, too. On the phone, you can hear a tone. And then, you know, through text, it's even worse. And through Facebook, we've reduced it down to where people are communicating through reacts and emojis a bunch of the time. And how can you know how anyone... For example, just today, I've been awkwardly like there, there there's a guy that i've been waiting to text me back mm. and he's been laugh reacting my facebook posts and he hasn't texted me in over 24 hours what? and that's a nor- that's a thing that happens and he's people get games so- right that's exactly what i said i'm like oh this gemini playing games
0: <laughs> have to bring
1: astrology into it because i'm real mad <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean i'm not actually mad i've but that's never believed a, in that right it's a side effect of social media though mm. is not astrology <laughs> Although that it does make it easy to know everyone's sign when it's on their Snapchat and on ah, their Facebook. True, true. But, uh But those weird communication barriers where it's like, you're responding to me on this platform, so why are you not talking to me on this other platform? Nah. And um, I do understand it. It's like you don't always have the emotional ability to talk to a person, but to like ha ha react a meme is really easy Mm. but sometimes i forget that when you think about other people you you forget you're like it's Mm. easy to just ouch real fast
0: right (laughs) well again from the perspective of like uh, a historian trying to think like a historian um there are two sides to this coin of how well documented everything is now i mean like People looking back can get some serious, and I hope they listen to less stupid episode 164 with Amber Beatty Marvelo. Um, but, you know, because this <laughs> is a real historical moment, right? <laughs> right. Um, but, like, it's well documented, but it's so well curated and it's so selectively curated. And it, you might consider it to be everybody's highlight reel. But, you know, then in Eugene, like, we've got these people, and I'm not throwing shade, uh, but it's like, they are so hip that they won't look good or serious or like try to look nice in any profile picture or any th- any image of themselves. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. And that is just its own level of performance as well, you know?
1: Um, I don't know if you're friends with any like homeless people on Facebook, but sure. it, there is very much a culture of that. In yeah. the, in, and Eugene has a lot of those people too, but it's like where even if people get housed up, they're still trying to take the dirtiest selfies, their profile <laughs> picture. It's like who can have the most trains in the background and or or who can have the most cans of like cans of beer in their profile picture? Like right. can we can you get a I saw I've seen people doing some like ridiculous stuff. <laughs> and it I mean it's it's all about, you know, that's a big part of social media too. One upsmanship.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, like
1: can I be can I care the least or can I yes. be the prettiest or can I like be the person who's the most like badass? like I'm I I don't know I've got like I've got five hundred dollars in my Facebook picture well I've got a thousand I don't some people do that kind of stuff and yeah it's very bizarre um I don't I don't know what to make of it um Mm -hmm. other than social media I think inspires competition
0: right um but then you could also say that it um, makes explicit and clear that kind of behavior having always happened, you know? Like, people have always tried to compete and have the the prettiest, like, you know, house or car or, you know, yeah. or their neighbor's got the new, L- new LCD TV, so they got to have it. Um,
1: But now we have a numerical value on it where you can look at your selfie and say, I got 30 hearts and 20 likes, but this girl got 500 hearts on hers. And so she's clearly... 20 times prettier than me. That's yeah. not the correct math there, but let's pretend it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even no remember worries. the numbers. But it's a little yeah. Less
0: than 20, but it's all good.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you you do that's that's something that happens. I mean, I'll I'll even notice that with my own stuff. Like, oh, I posted this and it got more likes, and I posted this and it didn't. Um, and it's important to notice those trends if you're in social media marketing. Yeah. Um, and I do a little bit of that. So I'll 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 wanna know like Okay, what time of day did I post it? Let's only compare posts that are posted at similar times of day. Mm -hmm. Also take into account day of the week.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But it's still, when you change a profile picture, and if you got 10 likes and the last one got 40, it does something to your head.
0: Oh, very much so. That
1: makes you think, am I getting uglier? Am I (laughs) aging?
0: It's like,
1: what's happening? And I did this,
0: Yeah. sorry, I did this thing where, okay... Brief aside, I was in college and for a while I was able to make friends really easily and I had a lot of friends and that was making my posts, uh, you know, have hundreds of whatever's on them and that was cool. Um, and then like, uh, I'm oversimplifying for the sake of like, you know, uh, this podcast or whatever, but, uh, like, uh. I got cyber bullied really hard and the way I responded wasn't necessarily always the best and blah, blah, blah. And then I pissed a bunch of people off and then I lost a bunch of my friends from college. And then I was all tripping and worried that after I left college and came back to Oregon, like, oh, if I like engage on Facebook, you know, I'm not going to have as many likes as I used to have. And so people are going to know that something's wrong. Something's up. And, th- and that I was playing this whole stupid game in my head where I just like was so concerned about that. Right. Um, and I don't really blame myself because I was going through some very serious uh, mental health challenges at the time anyway. But once I sort of came back and started like engaging more, I was like, that's, that was such a stupid thing to be worried about because I try to view every, every interaction as just a little gift because that's what I want other people to, to feel when I like their posts. I want them to see it as like a little gift, a little, uh, uh, Hey, I see you. I acknowledge what you're saying. Um, and I appreciate it. And, and so that's why I try to see it as now. It's like I could share something that I know is not going to get likes, but I am just glad to be putting it out there in the, in the conversation.
1: That's, uh, that is another interesting point is like, um, I don't know if you find this to you that you curate your content based on what you think is going to get responses rather than what you actually want to put out there. Um, right. And that when I first started creating internet content in general, I made what I wanted to make because I didn't think anyone was going to watch it. Mm. And when I first started on Facebook, I said what That's I kinda wanted where to where This say.
0: podcast is right now, by the way. What is it doesn't get views and I don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, and you know what? There's something really freeing about that. Yeah. Because you have no one expecting shit from you right now. Yeah. You get to make your own rules. And then you might end up finding a following and feel like they're kind of putting you in this little niche Mm. and like you need to fulfill these things. Mm -hmm. And then I get these moments when I'm like, what if I want to make art videos? Like, I'm not good at art, but I crochet, I play ukulele. And you try to make something like that, and it just right. doesn't get the reception of your other content. So you automatically think this is a bad thing, yeah. Rather than perhaps it just being that I, uh, uh, being that your audience um, needs to expand to because just because you have an audience that does isn't interested in a topic mm. doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about that topic Absolutely. or make that video. It just means you need to dive into that topic enough to expand your audience so you get some people that like that. But it can be really easy to put yourself in a box because you want to please people, especially when there's money tied to it. Yes. And validation. Validation sometimes feels better than money.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever had a video that was especially hard to put out for any reason?
1: Yes. I did a three-part video series that I really shouldn't have done a three-part breakup series with my ex-girlfriend. Oh, that was so hard to edit. So hard to release because it was a messy breakup and we just, we, yeah, we really got into it Mm -hmm. though. Um, and it was because it was so personal. Uh, so I was afraid of being judged and what people were going to say. I was afraid that people weren't going to like my content without my ex on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, when I made my song on the ukulele about Pokemon Go when it was first released, (laughs) um, that was probably the other hardest because it's so vulnerable interesting yeah i talk about my i wouldn't
0: expect uh that to be that way uh on a pokemon go topic but just so you know i play pokemon go every single day today still
1: well hell yeah check out my song then fuck yeah (laughs) it's not very great um Mm -hmm. it was when i first got my ukulele i was really bad at ukulele i'm still not amazing but i'm way better than i was so Mm. so so maybe i'll be amazing someday
0: because i've already gotten that much better hey Uh, we talked about folk uh folk punk and it's like Fuck it, it's about the feeling.
1: You know, I think it might be a little cute and endearing how bad the video is, so I've got that I going for that. me. I love that. I'm all decked out in Pokemon gear, and lyrics by me, music by me, uh, the vocals are awful, the editing's awful, but it's, it's... Woo! Yeah, and that's why I was so insecure, because for me, the video itself was hard to film. Uh, music mm-hmm. is hard to film, because yes. if you mess up... You want to restart the whole song. Oh. It's hard to do it. Yeah. Oh, you you do a lot of music. Yeah, mm. you you know.
0: You know better it's than rough. I do. I've it's only rough. done
1: one video like that. It it was enough that I've never wanted to do it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's and bad. then you know that you're competing sadly with especially if you're looking at stuff that really does get views, stuff that's oh, like like music YouTube is like this balance between being Oh, it's, like, at home, and so it's, like, totally, you know, organic appearing, but, like, you know, because I covered this Katy Perry song on the piano, and it's, like, look at this. It's quirky, but really, I know that people are, like, striving to make it as perfect as possible. That audio quality, don't lie. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, that too, so...
1: You can tell like this guy's making a low budget looking video but it sounds crisp as fuck. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is hard to hard to sort of I mean, I was going to say the word compete. It's hard to compete but it, but art should not be looked at as a competition, you know?
1: It's the monetary thing. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. It's um when you put money on things, it turns way more competitive, I think. Mm. And YouTube um, if you're AdSense, if you have AdSense, if you're monetized, then everything you post feels like it, you're trying to, you know, win at money making. And yeah. like with Pokemon Go, I, I started coming up with the ideas for the lyrics the day the, the game came out. Really? Yeah, but I had already, be- I played the beta test because okay. because I had like, you know, I, I had a little bit of clout with my social media and I yeah. used it to get the Pokemon Go beta. That's
0: awesome. Hell yeah. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> right? I know. I'm using it for good
0: stuff. Well, one of the only YouTubers that I really, really go back to regularly now and love and feel like I am like, you know, when you have a YouTuber, it's, it feels like it's your friend.
1: Absolutely know what you mean. Yeah.
0: Trainer Tips. Uh, He, he his name is Nick Oizon and he makes amazing pokemon go content
1: i'm subscribed to him
0: actually oh fuck yeah
1: i don't watch him much because i don't play that often but mm-hmm. i subscribed to him when i was into it and i never unsubscribed because i'm like good. i'm like dude deserves <laughs> my my yeah so it's, it's really good content best yeah. pokemon go videos i've seen actually yeah right fuck yeah
0: you were gonna say something though i feel like um, maybe about oh, your song
1: What the whole pokemon go thing that was um i felt like someone tipped an hourglass on me the second I had the idea for the song. Hmm. And I was like, if I don't get this out as fast as possible, someone else is going to release yes. music about it. And the more saturated the market is, like if you're going to cover someone's song, uh, you want to make sure maybe not 2 million people have covered it because you don't want to be buried or you got to yep. make sure yours is that much better. Yeah. And then if you're making original content, you're like, well, I want to make sure the subject matter isn't over-covered, but yep. it's covered enough that it's looked up. Pokemon Go was so hyped at that moment. Yes. And I was like, the sooner I can get this out there, the, the less chance I have of being buried. took me about two weeks, and I think that was a little bit too long.
0: Do you have any idea how many songs there are called Coronavirus now? So fucking many.
1: Everyone was begging Weird Al to do a my Sharona cover.
0: Oh, really?
1: But he's already has uh one about baloney,
0: yeah, yeah, my baloney, yeah, true.
1: my Bologna
0: Bologna, okay, right.
1: Yeah. He mispronounces it, so it rhymes,
0: oh uh, okay, got it,
1: but yeah, he said no, I'm not doing it. And okay, that's great because I'm glad. it allows smaller he shouldn't creators. Do that shit on
0: demand. He should do it when he wants to, when he feels
1: right, made. go go to someone on patreon who already has that option where you can request a themed song and right. pay them because I, they I, need the money.
0: I, I feel like if I reach my 30s and I haven't done anything that I think is, like, up to the potential that I believe I might have. um,
1: Nice way to put that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I try to, like, be so uh, precise with my language that I don't come off like an arrogant asshole. And it just totally down, like, backfires.
1: It was like... a humble brag almost <laughs> it was a humble brag that's like the definition of a humble brag uh, yeah, you like guess. the potential that that's i not, think i might have thing.
0: well yeah so anyway <laughs> um i think about this shit a lot in politics though too it's like um like these people fucking have millions of dollars donated to them i'm thinking of like Pete Buttigieg Kamala Harris uh, Elizabeth Warren people who 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 have <laughs> yes it is not (laughs) put a guy or anything
1: (laughs) edge edge yes yep
0: um and i think he'll be back eventually you know running Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay (laughs) but my point is that um we talked about this a little bit before we started rolling also um if you're out there and people have put so much trust into you and resources and, and and their time and their effort and their energy and their money then you have to Believe in yourself a lot and fight really hard for your chance to win, right? Um, but that ultimately kind of leads to some of this toxicity that we have, where nobody can even work with each other. Even in a fucking primary, you can't, you can't get along. You can't. Uh, emphasize what is, you know, you have in common and what you share as a vision for what we can accomplish together. It's just like, you know, Bernie is going to shit all over Biden's record on Social Security and Medicare to try to, because that's the thing where Bernie looks really good. And then Biden's going to shit on Bernie's history with voting against the Brady bill, which is a gun control legislation. Um, and yeah, so it's like they're just going to, you know, slice and dice each other. But my point with that is, you know, maybe I still have some potential. I don't I don't fucking know. I I okay, yes, I believe that I do. Yes. But I also believe everybody has potential. Yes. No I'm not one, saying yes. that I'm great. I'm not saying that I'm special. I'm everybody, every motherfucker out there has potential, especially now in this world. Um but I've also, you know. Bill Gates gave a shitload of money for me to go to college, and then da 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 da. So like, oh. and people have told me that you know, all oh, they you know really excited about my mayoral campaign. They really believe in me and blah blah blah. So it is important to try to like not taper that back. And not just be like, oh, maybe I have a little bit of ability to da da da, and just go out there and be like, fuck yeah! So the thing I was gonna say is, if I'm in my thirties and I haven't done anything I'm really proud of, I think I want to just make parody music and try to be the next Weird Al.
1: Hell yeah! that would be awesome weird
0: weirdo or a little dicky somewhere in between there like use the rapping ability and the corny delivery and flow and unexpected you know all that shit um and some of the intellectual shit and just like make fun of like classic songs and like the way that you do that and the reason that i know that i believe that i could do that to a level where at least I feel successful is because if you are the first person or in the first three people to do a cover or a parody or a remix of a big song that comes out, you're going to get thousands or often tens of thousands of views. Yeah. Sometimes hundreds of thousands,
1: especially if you can jump on a parody when a song is like on the top 40, you know, Yes. or if it's a song like, um, like a cult classic type song. Yep. Uh, the, it, and then you can cross over content where it's a popular song and you're mixing it with an issue that's relevant. Um, you know, like I can't think of any really good examples of that right now. But you know, it's um, uh, what? Weird Owls, The Saga Begins. It's a, a long,
0: long time ago in a galaxy far away. Naboo was under an attack, and I thought me and Qui Gon could yeah so it's anyway it's it's that's my dog's favorite Pie. song
1: because you know it's about anakin skywalker and yeah. i named my dog that so anyway he's he's probably all excited now yeah it's i don't know if anyone else sings to their pets but it is yeah. a thing but that's um if you just took like i don't know maybe marvel's dead now but mm-hmm. I was, like like when uh Are they? i don't when, i've
0: never kept up
1: oh well like when infinity wars or end games came out if you had Done a parody song about that to some Cardi B song somehow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how you would get uh Marvel and Cardi B crossover working. Sure. But Annie, you being good? Yes. He's like, I Don't, don't acknowledge the
0: happening. dog. You're alienating the audio listeners. Oh no, no audio listeners. Here. I will describe the, at the, my there is indeed a its- dog.
1: <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. It's very distracting to yeah have an existing fur creature that totally isn't here audio
0: people Well, we're about an hour and a half in which is which is great and cool um but do you feel like you haven't had there are any things about you amber Beatty marvelo that um you want to get out there that we haven't addressed at all as a topic because we've talked about a lot of shit um
1: I feel like a lot of things about me, if you want to learn more about me, you can look at my YouTube channel. That's Sweet. a good way to find out about it. Um, something I I guess I haven't really talked about is that I have Crohn's disease and yeah. an ileostomy, um, which I don't really know where to go with that from mm. there because it's a lot to unpack. And to me, it's pretty. it seems like it'd be pretty uninteresting to anyone who doesn't have it. So um, I have videos about that. Cool. Um, For me, the most interesting thing, because it's recent, has been living with um, an ileostomy and being homeless. Um, Struggling with a physical disability while being homeless was very interesting. I've learned so much about um, myself through that. And um, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of weird times. with that. Uh, if mm. if you know anything about an ileostomy, a lot of people don't know what that is. Mm. Most people do know what I a, do not. So it's similar to a colostomy. And if mm-hmm. I say that, most people know what that is. Sure. But okay, an ostomy is generally. Something where you're making an incision in the outside of the body and bringing something from the inside of the body outward. Mm. So the most common ostomies, the only ones I actually know of, are urostomies, ileostomies, and colostomies. The Mm -hmm. names are different depending on what you're taking out. So urostomy would be something related to um, urine. I don't know exactly, mm-hmm. but it, you end up having a bag that the that you end up urinating in with col- uh, colo- uh, colostomies. That's the colon. And with ileostomies, it's the ileum, which is the final portion of the small intestine. Okay. And the point of that for me was to get bowel rest for my very ulcerated colon and I kind of have gotten stuck because my doctor has quit and I've had to get new insurance since Peace Health decided to cover no one with Trillium anymore. Oh, wow. Uh, peace Health sucks anyway.
0: Oh, we both fucking do not care for Peace Health.
1: Nope. I am no longer using any Peace Health services. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has been pretty nice, actually. But um, this whole ileostomy thing while homeless, I've, I've realized. While there are a lot of resources locally and almost everywhere for homeless people, specifically catered issues um, that come usually with physical disabilities, most places are very lacking in that. And it can be extremely hard to find good care. Um, I reached a point over the summer where I glued... A ziploc bag around my stomach to where my intestine protrudes through my skin. Wow. And I ended up getting severe chemical burns and being hospitalized. But that wow. was because of a lack of supplies. Sure. Um and you can't really expect homeless shelters to 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 have that. But it right. you know, I don't really have any sort of like mm. a big point about that. It's just one of those experiences that um you wouldn't expect to hear about or go through. But the most interesting part of it of all was that I've been around Eugene and seen garbage in areas frequented by homeless people that is definitely from um, ileostomy or colostomy bags. Sure, and it was not my garbage. Wow! So there so are other homeless there. people with with bags. So this is not totally uncommon. Right. And it just was really interesting because uh, anytime I think that I'm suffering uniquely, something puts me back in my place to remind me that no suffering is unique. And that I love that. Yeah. So, so it, it that that was, um, I don't know, it, it kind of it, it felt good. I mean, I felt bad for that person too, but it's like I'm not alone in this mm. and nothing we experience, no matter how bad, someone else knows what it feels like.
0: Well, you're a liar because you said you didn't have some great point with it. And then you wrapped it up in a very beautiful, poetic way, regardless, whether you meant to or not.
1: Um, You know, I think maybe that comes with making content. You learn how to take something and bring it back around. Yeah. Which does, I did have something I was talking about earlier when we were talking about sex work and I lost my point. I found my point. Hey. So I found it a while ago and I've been holding on to it. I love it. So, um, it, it's less about sex work and more about the concept of being sexualized. Okay. And when sexualization is happening, there is a power dynamic happening. Um, and I actually had this explained to me in depth by my therapist using a whiteboard and, um, talking about a lot of philosophical theory. Anyway, I'm going to try to sum it up and I'm, I'm going to butcher it. Great. But yeah. Oh yeah. I love butchering things. Um, <laughs> So when when you're sexualized, you are being um, objectified by another person, Okay, which generally is a removal of power. Um, It makes you feel less in power and less human, like you have less respect. It is um, something that can be diminishing to another person when they are being objectified. Objectification generally doesn't make people feel good. However... There is something that happens quite often and it's the case with me and many other people who do sex work where um, a lot of people will say things like, how can you do that kind of work? Aren't you constantly being objectified and don't you feel like weird with all these people objectifying you? You mm-hmm. know, does it make you feel bad about yourself? Right. And the answer is no, it does not <laughs> at all. And here is why. There are some people that when they are objectified... Um, they end up turning the person objectifying them into an object. Okay. Like you, I'm pointing at my dog, so I don't have to point at you because I'm not going to accuse you. Can you can
0: point at me. I don't care.
1: Okay, so so say you're objectifying me or someone else, and I'm just like, wow, you're the kind of person who would objectify a woman? You, I have no respect for that. You're right. the object here. Yeah. You're just a walking
0: penis. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, yeah. I,
1: and I've never said that to people, sure. because, but... It's a good point, and I love it um, that's
0: a very smart way to reframe that right and claim power and agency
1: and that's what yes and I because my therapist had talked to me about um, whether or not um, selling nudes and doing nude modeling and porn if that felt empowering or disempowering for me and I told him it generally does feel empowering sweet yes, and a lot of it I think is having um, and he's pointed this out. A big part of anything to do with power has to do about control. Um, I mean, that might be obvious. But Hmm. when you have control of the way you are sexualized, it does make a difference. So when I put an image out there and I'm like, people are going to sexualize me, it does make it a little easier to maintain that power. Hmm. Um, Or if you go into, like if I put on a certain outfit, And I leave for the day. Mm. And I think I'm probably going to be sexualized in this. I think that the having a part of feeling like you're in control, whether you really are or not, um, having some agency in the decision to be sexualized makes you feel more powerful. Mm. I'm not sure if that's the case, but the, the whole idea of flipping the objectification has been really fascinating to me. And I think it explains why a lot of people get into sex work. Sure. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: Right. And I love anything that empowers people to especially to be comfortable in their naked skin. Whether I mean not everyone ne- obviously needs to be comfortable like that, mm. but I love hearing about people just being comfortable and loving their bodies and feeling empowered. Uh it's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, I have one last question. Okay. What's one way we could all be less stupid?
1: Oh that is um read more books reading hey i don't
0: think anyone's told me that yet
1: yeah uh reading (laughs) so intuitive yeah reading uh will damage your ignorance uh you know yeah um i mean preferably read good books you know but but reading books just read books uh simple answer i feel like but it's it's what i do
0: (laughs) there's a song i saw back in the old school internet read a book read a book read a fucking book yeah. read a you've heard that one <laughs> yes, read I have. a fucking book r-e-a-d-a-b-o okay <laughs> all right well it's been a real pleasure i won't shake your hand or anything because we have to model good social distancing but uh thank you so much and what's the youtube youtube.com slash marvelo
1: yep uh and then instagram at m-s-m-a-r-v-o-l-o lovely yes are you a Slytherin? I'm a Ravenclaw. You're a Slytherin. I'm a Slytherin. A Slytherin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of. I, but they I, don't have a yeah. lot of
0: great characters. They really don't. Who they does almost it? have Ravenclaws, I don't think.
1: Luna Lovegood.
0: Yes, that's true. And that's one person.
1: Yeah, that's one person. You know?
0: And then, you know, Cho Chang isn't written for very well.
1: Um, I really like the Grey Lady. R- the
0: Grey Lady. No, yeah. I was going to say the Grey Lady does not get a very good treatment in the book. <laughs> But her name is
1: Helena, like that My Chemical Romance song.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And then Rowena Ravenclaw is the, she's one of the least exciting of the, and then, yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyway, I I I guess that's where it comes from. I mean, they put the the Gryffindors and the Slytherins pretty much at the center.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, for a while, thought I was a Slytherin, but I realized, no way.
0: Nice. Yeah. I like that.
1: I get along great with Slytherins, though. Yes. Hogwarts House, important questions. Yes. You got to keep it. Much like, more important together.
0: than your Ilvermorny house. Uh, which uh,
1: is Horned Serpent.
0: But okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't fucking follow any of that shit. Do you know your But Patronus? I do think it was sad that, okay, Johnny Depp, right? Uh, um, having been cast as Grindelwald for those Fantastic Beasts things. Um, and usually I don't go on and talk very much after I've asked the last stupid question, but this is, <laughs> this is fun and exciting anyway, because yeah. it's fucking Harry Potter. Right. Dude. <laughs> People were upset that he was cast because of the um, s- very serious allegations of domestic violence. Of course, yeah. And then it fucking turns out he was the victim yeah. in a whole bunch of that. Right. And uh, it's just very sad because um, I, if I had if I had known that before, I probably wouldn't have written off the series as much. Um, and now I'm like rooting for him a lot because of all the terrible, terrible things his partner put him through. So. Yeah. The <laughs> dogs be in a goofball. All right. Thanks, y'all. I wish I, I should have a signing off line. I'll make one up right now. I'm signing off. Peace. Bye.